This is a podcast from 3RRR, 102.7 FM in Melbourne. Truly independent community radio. Fades into the distance. Uh, you are on 3 Triple R on Radio Marinara. I'm Anthony Boxhall. And I'm Bron Burton. How are you, Bron? Good. How are you? Good. Wait, this is the first time we've been in the studio together this year. I know. Gosh. Yeah, I can't believe it's winter already. It's freezing. Yeah. <laughs> did, when you came across town, did you have fog? Well, interestingly, yes, at the beginning. Yeah. Um, because I come from the south side of town, which, you know, for many people doesn't exist anymore. It's kind of like reverse Game of Thrones, <laughs> where the Yarra is the wall, and on the south side of the wall... Is that where those skeleton things are? I think there's an assumption that there are, we, we're just a bunch of white walkers that <laughs> are, are meaningless to most kind of aspects of daily life. <laughs> Anyway. Oh, and you made it across the wall. I did. You climbed up. And yeah. You, Didn't come you know, across like, yeah. Jon Snow, unfortunately. He, he wasn't <laughs> kind of waiting to greet me on the, 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 at that punt road hill. Anyway. You, you don't look like the undead to me. Oh, thanks. <laughs> it's a nice change for a Sunday morning. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like the undead. Yeah. But it is, when I came across, I came across from the northeast, socked in. Yes. Socked in. Well, when we got here, it was interesting because um, my um, 12-year-old Hugh is here today and he made the comment as we were just at the very top of Nicholson Street, which is where the studio is, looking down or south, down towards the wall mm-hmm. and, and the city, <laughs> that the, the um, level of fog was sort of below, very thick, but below the tops of the buildings. Oh, wow. So you so can see the tops of the buildings yeah. above it. Yeah, nice. So it was amazing. Very the, foggy today. We came, whereas we came up the hill into Northcote, you start. You came out of the fog, right. and it was kind of blue sky. And then when you went back down the hill again, it would <laughs> socked in again. Wow. So it must be a low. Hang- There's bet the bureau's got a name for this. Be yeah. some low hanging fog thing. Yeah, that'll be the name probably. <laughs> that'll do. Low hanging fog. <laughs> we have to thank um, Timothy. Yes. Who once again has surpassed superlatives. Yes, thank you, Tim, <laughs> and thank you, thank you for um, for that lovely song. Uh, 
which has become a bit of an annual thing. And also thank you to um, Andrew Minga for Soulful Bits at 8 o'clock. Absolutely wonderful. It's really every Sunday morning really starting to look forward to and enjoy <laughs> his segment. I was going to say, what well, so I'm glad you went at that last bit because I'm going to say, what, the last 20 years you haven't been enjoying it? <laughs> oh, well, he's, he's only been no, I know, presenting I the segment this year, but it's been, um, it's been lovely. It's kind of like you, you have a, I was thinking about it, it's like you have your comfy old armchair that you've had forever, not calling you a comfy old armchair. Well, you kind of are, Tim. Yeah, oh, totally. <laughs> Tim is. He's like, like the. We love it. We go and settle in, and it's really lovely. And and suddenly there's a new couch cushion, yeah. and, and you go, oh, okay. There's a new cushion on our lovely old um, chair, and okay. Let's, and then after a few, oh, oh, I quite like this cushion. Yes. And, and then it becomes comfy and yeah, just part of the armchair. The cushion's part of the chair. Seems to match the colours. Yeah, that's it. Hey, we've got um, quite a diverse show today. We do. We're shortly, um, I'll backtrack a little bit. A couple of weeks ago, um, while we were on air, we took a phone call from Jeff Nottall. Jeff is mm-hmm. the chairman of the Preserve Western Port Action Group. He was ringing to let us know about uh, an article that had been published in The Age um, about the uh, release of a report from Infrastructure Victoria. And this was commissioned by um, Special Minister of State, uh, Gavin Jennings, uh, in relation to providing recommendations to the Victorian government about future uh, need for ports. Oh, yeah. Now, I had seen about that this was being discussed. Yes. Yeah. And so... And, um, and that, of course, from a Western Port perspective, because Hastings had been one of the kind of primary locations that many governments have been planning for. That's right. And then um, prior to the last state election, a new alternative was put forward, um, which has been called Bay West. It's on the western side of Port Phillip Bay, sort of between Geelong and... Yeah. And, um, and Melbourne. Kind yes. of Werribee and Geelong, kind of yeah. between there. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. And so the report that's just come out a couple of weeks ago has recommended Bay West um, as the preferred site of choice, but not going to be required for a really long time. And so um, Jeff was very keen to to have a chat with us about that. So we're going to do that this Gosh, morning. Gosh, doesn't that ch- That's really... I'm glad he's come because that really changes the whole dynamic of Western Port in the sense of the way people would think about it and plan for it. That's right. What's going on in Western Port. Yeah, in a whole bunch of ways. How interesting. Yeah. Then David Provis is... Dr David Provis is going to join us live in the studio. We're going to talk further. He was in a couple of months ago when we were talking about this article that NOAA and a whole bunch of other big US organisations had come out the day before Trump was inaugurated. Right. Mm, There's a bit of conspiracy theory about this one, but the day before he was, um, coming out with new predictions about global mean sea level rise, or global mean sea level and the predictions for it and then the likelihood of coastal flooding and inundation and... It was one of those reports that you could see there'd been years of work put in and then very quickly they put it out like in, you know, January the 19th or whatever it was and so it was out. Anyway, David and I talked about that and what the global picture was and we never got a chance to talk about the Victorian impact. What's the likelihood for Victoria? And so David's going to come in and we're going to talk about, okay, so if the sea level is going to go, it's predicted to rise by more now. Mm. What does that mean? on the coast of Victoria. So David will be in a bit, a bit after half past. Fantastic. And then loads of news, like yes. just loads. And in the midst of all of that, we're going to cross to Terry Allen to give us a dive report too. She's going to be under the water, yeah? Uh, she, shortly. She'll be all suited up, ready to get in. It's getting very cold. Very cold. So um, Speaking not gonna... of, nice segue. Hmm, Russell of the paper, very cold. There it is. <laughs> Do you know the other week John and I were doing the show and he deliberately rustled? Because that's the armchair. It's the right. rustling of, you know, you oh. going, you, you getting the paper. Anyway, yes. Interesting. <laughs> I'm interested in, in response to that. I'm sure there are people who hear that rustling and kind of 
Everything stands up. Why can't they read it online? That's right. Anyway, what's what is it? Heading for a top of thirteen, mostly sunny morning. <laughs> very good, um, very good weather for um, community cup training. Oh yes, I noticed you have your boots on. Metaphorically, yeah. But you're, oh, you're actually have got really, boots on. I just don't have stops underneath. <laughs> but you're more the the, the trainer. Uh, the, you yeah, know, the, kind the of well-being. Well-being team coordinator. Well-being. Mm, yeah, yeah. Yeah. We have a spiritual leader. We have yeah. um, a, a, um, we have all sorts of people doing all sorts of roles. And is that that's a formal coaching role, well-being coordinator? Yeah, in a, in a spiritual sense. <laughs> <laughs> I notice you've got your runes lined up. Team <laughs> karma. Team karma. Yeah. Yeah. I think I might be One team karma. <laughs> One needs one's team's chi balanced. That's right. Yeah. Well, we do have a spiritual leader. Um, anyway, it's enough Community Cup talk for now. <laughs> it's on soon though. It is. That's what, Hence, that's Three why weeks. we're talking about it. Yeah, oh yeah, my yeah. goodness, it's coming up fast. Oh no, it's going to be big. Yes. Very big. Yeah. Victoria Park, you probably heard. Yes. Yes. Mostly sunny <laughs> morning. Mostly, yes. Yeah. <laughs> we will get around to the weather. Cloud increasing during the afternoon. Frost patches about the hills and uh, chance of fog. I think there's more than chance, chance of fog this of morning. Fog. Uh, light winds becoming north to northeasterly, 15 to 20 kilometres an hour early in the morning. Oh, well, that's clearly not working at the moment. No. You no know, fog, if it was. Well, it says becoming. Oh, yeah. So the light winds are becoming. The becoming light. light. Are, they're, they're kind of zero at the moment. Yeah, they are. But they will get up to 20 kilometres an hour, mm. maybe. 14 tomorrow and a shower or two. 14 on Tuesday and a possible shower. 15 on Wednesday and it will be sunny again and not raining for the rest of the week oh, and, wow. and 15. Does so it get above four Pretty at night? steady. Um, like is it, you know, kind of like... Yes, it's kind of six, eight, seven, five, oh. seven, six. Oh, that's not bad. Yeah. Hey, you know, in my backyard this morning, I happened to be up at, you know, 5.40. Anyway, and it was less than two. Ooh. Yeah. That's cold. Yeah. Quick... Um, Quick uh, surf report. New swell slowly filling into the Victorian coast. Conditions are clean. <laughs> Light northwest winds. Water temperature is 16. Still on the, oh, still it's on still the um, march downward. Yeah, yeah, it is. 16. 16 is not bad. For, it's June now. That's right. That's I, really... There's always this lag. It, yeah. It's always around August, September that it gets really down to 10 and 11. Yeah, but it's still 16 in June. Wow. Anyway, yeah. Yeah, there you go. Mm. Um, so that's enough surf report. If you want more information, check out Swellnet. And the tide times today, um, we are heading for a high tide so, uh, at Point Lonsdale. I beg your pardon. We're heading for a low tide at 12.38 and then a high tide um, well after dark, so it's not worth mentioning, but um, <laughs> it's like quarter to eight tonight. But, yes, low tide at 12.38. Uh, I'm guessing Terry's going to be going and catching some slack water. Oh, yeah, OK. We'll on the hey, you're on Radio Marinara. We're going to... Um, I'm going to play um, uh, what can only be described as uh, throwback music. I'm playing... I'm playing um, music, uh, dance music from the early 90s, most of which is ripping off or involving artists, either ripping off or involving artists from the 60s. Mm. Okay, so (laughs) 60s and 70s. Or being inspired by. Or inspired, yeah, sorry, I should say that. I should say inspired by. Anyway, so um, if you're, you know, up for a bit of kind of early 90s dance music, then you are in the right place this morning. So, um, but we're on Radio Marinara, we'll be back. After this uh, little bit of dance um, with Western Port action.
bit of KLF there on the morning of early 90s dance music. You're on Radio Marinara, Justified and Ancient there with Tammy Wynette. You're on Radio Marinara at quarter past nine. Indeed you are. Now, uh, just over a year ago on Radio Marinara, you might remember our next guest as being one of a panel of four who joined us to talk about the wonders of Western Port. We spent an hour exploring Western Port's values, history and potential threats. At that time, there was still some question around the proposed developments at Hastings and the potential impacts that those developments might have on the animals and plants both in and around Western Port. Well, a couple of weeks ago, Infrastructure Victoria released the report Advice on Securing Victoria's Port's Capacity Joining us now to talk about the report and his group's response, we welcome back to Triple R, Chairman of Preserve Western Port Action Group, Jeff Nottle. Good morning, Jeff. Good morning, Don, and good morning to Anthony and your listeners. Hey, thanks so much for um, for uh, joining us. I can't believe it's been a whole year since you were in that day. Um, and uh, thanks for your call a couple of weeks ago. It's really good we can finally get you back on the program. That's okay, Bron. And yes, it is uh, hard to believe it's almost a year, and it's almost uh, three and a half years that we've been uh, we've been on this campaign. Now, for those who are maybe not familiar with your group, I thought we might start by talking a little bit about Preserve Western Port Action Group. Tell us, maybe you know, for our listeners who who didn't catch you last time you were in, tell us a bit about um, who you are and, and what you stand for. Yeah, sure. We're a uh, subcommittee of the Philip Island Conservation Society. The Conservation Society have been around for nearly 50 years, and when the looming threat of the industrialisation of Western Port came along, a subcommittee was formed, and we've been, uh, the Action Group has been uh, acting in that capacity, uh, as I say, for just over uh, uh, three and a half years. We're largely based on Phillip Island, but we have other uh, representatives around the waterline uh, community, uh, and uh, look very uh, focused on uh, the impact of all of Western Port. And maybe for our listeners who um, aren't familiar with what was being proposed at the time for Hastings, can you talk us through that a little bit and why your group was so concerned? Yeah, sure. The um, the previous uh, state government had a policy to deliver a container port at the port of Hastings. Indeed, the previous Premier declared that it would be the new Shanghai of, uh, of Victoria with a massive uh, container port that would require over uh, 24 million cubic metres of dredging and would certainly change and erode the coastline forever. Um, but at, at that time, uh, we, we felt that we were uh, battling a lot of uh, alternate facts that had been put around by the proponents, uh, things such as the fact that Hastings, is, they would say, is a natural deep water port. It is not natural, it is a dredged port. And also some of the alternate facts that we were battling at that stage was uh, the concept of if it didn't go to Hastings, there'd be blasting of the Port Phillips head, heads. And no one, no one is advocating blasting of the heads. And in fact, Infrastructure Victoria and the report that they've just released say that they are not recommending any dredging of the heads and that it may never, ever, ever be needed. Mm. Now, you mentioned this report. It's 180 pages long. Um, I thought, given that you've read it, and um, I've read the exact summary, but I didn't get much <laughs> further than that. Can you can you summarise its main points for our listeners, what's being proposed here? Yeah, sure, uh, Bron. Uh, yes, it is, a, it is a big report and there's a, lot, uh, there's a lot to digest. But I guess some of the headlines, uh, firstly, that they, uh, uh, Infrastructure Victoria and making their recommendations to the government, say that the need for a new port needs to be done in a staged process. So they believe that the existing port capacities 
it, the Port of Melbourne can be increased over the next few years. In fact, they believe that the existing ports can handle the projected container trade until, until 2055. So we're talking about a new container port taking overload from the existing port in 2055 with planning to begin in 2040. So it's certainly a long way off. But having said that, the port is expected to, uh, a new port is expected to last uh, well over 100 years, according to Infrastructure Victoria. So we're looking at planning and how Western Port will be uh, treated and, and the planning processes that will span not only our generation, our kids before us, and probably our grandkids. So it's a 150-year worth of planning that's involved in operating a new container port. Jeff, um, the, my understanding of that, um, as it's called, Bay West proposal, the, the 180-page proposal, um, it's it's somewhere kind of between Geelong and, and Werribee, I think, you know, kind of near Point Willilius or around that kind of area. I don't know exactly. But I remember in, in some of the discussion that uh, even groups unrelated to, to Western Port specifically were, were talking about the downside of Hastings was, was the on-land infrastructure, you know, the fact there was no freeways to there, there were no railways lines there was no way to move all that stuff i guess one of the upsides of bay west is that there's an airport next door there's you know there's a big freeway there's a train line is that the kind of stuff in the report that you've seen that they're pointing to to say as the reason that swings it to the west look absolutely the the transport uh, connections and the existence of industry is a very very important factor but also the environment issues are key distinguishing factors and the locations that they're suggesting Infrastructure Victoria, they haven't come out with an actual recommendation for the site in Bay West. They have a couple of different options, and those options would see uh, the wharf being uh, extended by a, a, a bridge uh, out somewhat into, into Port Phillip Bay. Oh, so, so it's kind of like an island container port. In a sense, um, you build it out yeah, there, and it, yeah, right, okay. Instead of having to take it to the shore, you take the the port out to the sea a bit. That's correct, and and the two locations that seem to be uh, narrowing in on is what they call the Werribee River location, and also the Kirk Point Terminal okay. location. Mm. One of the big concerns, of course, around Bay West was the potential impact on um, on Ramsar wetlands, sort of around the Western Treatment Plant. I guess one of the issues with this now that there's it's been forecast that there is so much time to plan for this, and planning won't even start according to the recommendations here until 2040. That's oh, okay. that's 23 years mm. away. Lots of opportunity to plan for how um, how the potential impacts on that Ramsar wetland might actually be able to be managed pro- appropriately. So uh, I guess. That's that's a comment more than a question. Yeah, yeah you know, it's that, that's a really that's a really good point, uh, uh, Bron. And in fact, when Infrastructure Victoria released their initial reports uh, earlier this year, we called them out on some of areas that they had uh, overlooked. And in fact, they had overlooked the uh, Ramsar management plan for Western Port and also the Western Port uh, other Western Port studies that would be done. And in response to that, we are very pleased with one of the recommendations. There are a total of 19 recommendations, but one of them, I think, certainly addresses the concerns that we raised. Recommendation 14 is that they're saying that a Victorian government uh, department 
should be tasked with baseline evidence gathering and ongoing monitoring of environmental conditions relevant to future port developments. We think this is an excellent recommendation and the data will be gathered over many years. They are talking about developing long-run evidence base of hydrodynamic modelling, seabed morphology, water quality, etc. So during this period, the recommendation is to commence monitoring that's not occurring now when it comes to port development. Oh, Jeff, I think that's a really, I think you're right, I think that's a really important recommendation given that I remember during the, a, <clears throat> a number of groups proposed, but also I think even a number of groups who were who were for uh, some development in Hastings all pointed out the lack of environmental information to draw really good decision-making, um, you know, based, based good decision-making on for a Hastings proposal because there wasn't that background. So as you say, as, as you're pointing out, Bronte, that long lead time gives you that time to think that through and get that done well. And hopefully uh, lots of opportunity too for um, for our uh, tertiary institutions to become involved in this. And um, you can see all sorts Hundreds of... Hundreds of PhDs. Yeah, exactly. You can see all sorts of really great things that might come from this. Jeff, where to from here for your group? Do you think there's any kind of possibility or risk that the prospect of an expanded port at Western Port might arise in a different political landscape? And I kind of don't want to be a doomsday here, but I have seen these sorts of things kind of go off the rails, as it were, before. Is 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 that something... Will your group stay um, together? Well, that's a really good question, uh, uh, Bron. Uh, 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 as we say, that the uh, planning won't commence uh, until 2040. And I think we all know 23 years is a long time in politics. Yeah, exactly. What, uh, what, what we're waiting on now is that we're waiting to hear from the state government as to whether they're formally accepting the recommendations. And we're also waiting to hear what position the state opposition is going to take. Will they continue to attempt to industrialise Western Port and fight the umpire, being infrastructure Victoria, or are they going to accept the umpire's decision? Our group will certainly remain active and certainly remain focused on Western Port and ensuring that these science-based recommendations are followed through. Fantastic. Um, Jeff. I'm going to let you go. I know you've got a gathering down at Phillip Island today for your group. <laughs> Is this the celebration of I've the announcement? I've got a big shout-out, Bron. I've got a big shout-out shout to everybody that loves Western Port, whether they live on Phillip Island or anywhere in the region. Today we have it holding a function in Cowes. Uh, it's a win for Western Port, and we're meeting between 1 and 5 p.m. in the Anglican Hall in Thompson Avenue, which is just opposite Coles. We would love to see everybody there today. Between one and five, a huge shout-out for all the people that support Western Port and the work that we've done and our supporters. Fantastic. So just those details again, um, between 1 and 5pm in the Anglican Hall, Thompson Avenue opposite Coles, and we'll do another shout-out for you towards the end of the program. Thanks so much for joining us, Jeff, and um, let's stay in touch. Thanks, Bron. Certainly will. And uh, big, big shout out and um, and congratulations from um, from us to your from from us to your group. It's amazing work that you do. You all do it as volunteers. It's been um, a very long three years of uh, of bringing these issues to the attention of um, of our big decision makers and of course to um, our community and general public as well. So it's great that uh, what you do. Have a great afternoon. Thanks, Bron. Okay, talk to you soon. It was uh, Jeff Noddle there, chairman of Preserve Western Port Action Group. I'll be a bit happy down there at Council Savo. Yeah. Indeed, you are on 3RRR and with the wonders of live radio, Terry must be under the water. 
I think she might have already gone. That's okay. <laughs> she's, she's probably enjoying it. Where do you think she'd be enjoying a dive this morning? Um, if we're talking flat seas, potentially northerlies rising, well, possibly Flinders Pier. Yeah. Maybe. And, and it'll be slack soon, won't it? Because it's yes. low at, what, like 1 ish, 12 30. Yeah, she might have gone out to Pope's. Actually, it's probably slack around now. Yep. So she might. She's. I bet she's under the water. She could be. Um. She could be Pope's Eye. She could be anywhere. She could be <laughs> Portsea Hole. We'll find out next and, week. And that was the dive report by Bronner yeah. <laughs> The speculative dive report. Oh, we generally have actually no idea, do we? No. Um. So I've got a couple of quick plugs. Yeah, yeah, go we can it. use this time. There is a screening. Um. It's the uh, that the uh, Greens are putting on called Stopadani. Stopadani film screening, um, which is taking place uh, this coming Tuesday. Day, 6th of June at Loop Bar, 23 Myers Place, Melbourne in the CBD. Tickets are $12 if you want to go along and um, and checking, uh, check out this fundraiser. Um, you can uh, we'll put some details to that on our Facebook page. So it's the it's actually screening the documentary of Guarding the Galilee, inviting participants into an open forum discussion on climate change and the reef in particular. I hear Donald Trump's going to pop in. <laughs> so really? It's such a deep investment in climate change. No, sorry. Oh, sorry, wrong one. <laughs> Maybe it's the other Donald Trump. Oh, goodness um, me. So, sorry, Brian. There you go. So uh, Richard Di Natale will be there along with Senator Janet Rice and Adam Bant for a night of politics, passion and people power. So <laughs> it's going to be quite a spectacular event. So there you go. Stop Adani film screening and um, we'll put some that? details to that on our Facebook page this Tuesday, Tuesday. Um, from f- at 545 uh, in the CBD, so good thing to do after work if you work in the Trump CBD. Trump tweeting, yeah. Yep. Uh, another quick plug for the Dolphin Research Institute, um, celebrating both World Environment Day, which is tomorrow, and World Oceans Day, which is the 8th, uh, 5, 6, 7, 8, which would be Thursday. Thursday. I have to count yep, that yep, up on no my fingers. <laughs> you can go along if you're not working on Thursday or if you're somehow able to kind of, you know organised to take the day off. Wildlife Coast Cruises um, uh, running some um, uh, seal cruise nice. events. So, um, and uh, 25% of their sales uh, on that day will go to the Dolphin Research Institute. And remember, it's still 16 in the water. Yeah. So it's nice. you know, possible. Hey, you're on Radio Marinara. I'm gonna, we're going to play another um, of our early 90s dance music that rips off uh, the 60s. This one's a, a wonderful rip-off of the Mamas and the Bubbers. Um, California Dreaming by Midnight Shift. And after that, we'll be back uh, with uh, Dr David Provis and talking about global mean sea level and what does it mean for Victoria. and the puppers. That was Midnight Shift from, gosh, that must be about 1991, I think, Bron. 
I don't, when you're dreaming. I, I don't recall ever hearing that song before. <laughs> I know. I'm delving into appalling dance music from the early 90s. I love the dance music from the early 90s. It rips off either stars or musicians of the 60s and 70s. They're kind of two sides of the same coin, aren't they, really? <laughs> It's a glass half full, half empty scenario. I know. Look, you know, that's just where we have to beg to... We have to agree to disagree, that's, right? That's the beauty of living in a democracy. <laughs> You're on Radio Marinara. It is 25 minutes to the hour of uh, 10 o'clock, which means 25 minutes to the doctors. Dr David Provis, who is a principal oceanographer for Cardno, however, he's not representing them here, and also a, um, uh, a member of the Victorian Coastal Council, is an oceanographer. He, he came in a couple of months back and we had a great chat about the global mean sea level rise. And good morning, David. Welcome back to the studio. Pleasure to be here. Well, we thought we, when we talked a couple of months back, uh, we were looking at some predictions that NOAA and a bunch of other major, the US Geological Society and, uh, sorry, survey, and a lot of other major US um, research and government research institutions had done about global mean sea level rise. And um, they released this report, I, I, I noticed, uh, the day before Trump was inaugurated, perhaps because they thought they knew they could get it out then. But anyway, it's remarkable stuff. But the, the short of it is that they're basically predicting an increase in global mean sea level rise. Um, and what they're saying is if you took the, the upper bound, so the most, the, the worst case scenario, it could increase by half a metre by 2021 over the current predictions of two and a half metres. So they're saying up to three metres by 2021. Or if you took the what the least case, which is probably the certainty, um, they were saying it would increase by 10 centimetres, which would make it up to 30 centimetres higher by 2021. Where, where does the reality lie? <laughs> uh, somewhere between them, <laughs> which is a non-answer. We don't really know, and that's the, the, the trick in all of this. Um, we're dealing with... We know it's rising. It's been rising in Port Phillip Bay by about 2.7 millimetres a year since the late 60s when mm -hmm. we got um, accurate digital tide gauges. Um, the, the higher bound, 2.5 metres, is a, a level where they can see a plausible pathway based on sound science. So that's the upper. That's got about a 0.1 percent probability. Oh, okay, so it's a so very it, low. It's unlikely to happen. Yeah, but there is a plausible pathway, and there are predictions that go on meters beyond that if they really want to get excited. And of course, the plausible pathways are all based on on uh, us stopping producing any further melting. So we're you know bringing kind of climate change. Slowing what's uh, built into the system already. I think that there's different levels of calming down. Okay, <laughs> use that sort of expression. Yeah. Um, I think there is a business as usual. That is what we're doing now, of yeah. which is pretty catastrophic. Yeah. There is slowing down, and we don't know quite where that's heading at the moment. Well, um, yes, after this week's <laughs> announcement with our friend Mr. Trump. That's and, and this is on a global scale. Yes. This is global. This yes. is global mean sea level. There are a lot of variations. Um, there's variations within Australia. Sea level's rising faster up in the northwest mm -hmm. than it is um, further south. It's rising faster down the east coast because of the warmer water coming down on the East Australian current. Um, so there's 
a lot of regional variations, but this is the global mean sea level that they're talking about. And then one of the other interesting facts about this was that they, they went on then to do some predictions about 90 US cities and um, they were saying that if you took... I think they took relatively conservative. I don't think they took that two and no. a half metre. Um, I think they took something about a metre or half a it, metre. It's around about a metre, I think most of them, yeah. And they said that if you applied that and then you looked at weather patterns and flooding, it meant that there was a 35 centimetre rise that would was that there was a... With a 35 centimetre rise, sorry, you were, tw- you were 25 times more likely to get a, a flooding event every 10 years and it compounded. So mm. that meant a 100-year event at 3030 would be a four-year event at 3040, 2040, which is means that, you know, those 100-year events, oh, yeah. you know, they're supposed to happen once every 100 years, they're going to happen every four years at, um, at, you know, 10 years later and that compounds. So then... Do we bring this to Victoria? And like you say, you know, it, you know, it's more in the northwest and less, less than the south. What do we know about the Victorian situation? I'm not sure what we know about the prediction. Uh, there are people who've spending their lives studying that. I, the uh, my understanding is that Victoria is pretty close to the average in, in terms of rising, but we're not too sure exactly how that's going to play out into the future. And of course there's a planning provision that says that you can, you've got to build things that are 0.8 of a metre above the current sea level That's right. to take into account. So, that, so I always think that in Victoria we imagine by 2021 the worst case would be the 0.8 of a metre. I think that's that, that to me is the message of this report, yeah. that we need to be rather than just having hard numbers, which planners like. Planners don't like uncertainty. (laughs) We need to be looking at a a proper risk analysis. That is, look at what's the likelihood of this happening and what are the consequences if it does happen. If you're building a hospital, you don't really want your hospital flooding ever. Uh, No. If you're building a, a house, maybe you don't mind if it floods every... Like once in a generation. Or <laughs> twice, or something, right. provided you can look out over the ocean and live what, on the beach. Mm. What about if you're building a, a suburb? <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, or perhaps let's just take you know those recent king tides in Elwood. Yep. Um, you know that, that, that happened to combine with a big rain event, which is of course what climate change will bring more extreme events. If you're if you're looking at you know perhaps knocking down some of the old houses and putting up some you know bigger houses and bigger buildings. You probably want to be a bit certain then, don't you? I think so. I think there's a number of things on that. One is that we also need to remember that um, sea level flooding is governed by tides. Mm. What that means is that the inundation is likely to only last two or three hours because it's only going to be around high tide. Then the tide will go down and the water can run out Um, in most places, not in all, but, but in a lot of places. What that means is that you can defend a property on a property scale or a community scale without needing national scale dikes and levees. Yeah, and yeah. So there's a whole lot of ob- um, ways of dealing with these things that um, we haven't really thought about and, and come to terms with. I was wondering, coming back to a point, that, and this is relevant to what you've just said, um, about that uncertainty and the fact that planners don't like things being uncertain. 
the fact that the uncertainty is a certainty, is that not something that can be worked with here? <laughs> yeah, well, it's one, a great, thing, one thing we're certain yeah. of is that things are uncertain. Yeah. And Absolutely. so knowing that... Absolutely. The, and academics can deal oh, with it. And, yeah. and, but our planning system um, is based on steady state, based on things going on forever, unchanged. Mm. We talk about dealing with the one in 100 year event or 1% mm. annual exceedance probability or whatever. But is that now? Is that, or is it what it will be? Mm. In, in 20, 30, 40 years' mm. time, what's the life expectancy of the property you're looking at? I mean, most houses will have a planning permit application within, I don't know, 25, 30 years, mm. which gives you a chance to, to renew, re renew, review, yeah. come back to it. What, what, so, so the thing, yeah, I, I take your point about those, you know, the, the inner tidal inundation being a kind of a, a short-term thing mm. in a sense. Um, you, you often we'll see, and there was one in one of the papers a couple of weeks back of, you know, those maps of sure. here's the inundated suburbs. Yep. Um, with, the, with rises built in of, say, even if we go very conservative and take that global mean sea level rise of the... The, what they called almost certainty of 30 centimetres, sure. that will have an impact on the Victorian coastline in that, you know, yep. in the time that I'm, by the time, the rest of my lifetime, <laughs> which is not, you know, not a short period, but not a long period. Um, and uh, that means that it will just be, the, the ocean will be bigger. <laughs> yep. There'll be more of it. And some of those houses won't be defendable. That's right. In that sense. And so how realistic do you think people should think about buying those properties on that coastline for that ocean view now or being a bit further up the hill? It depends <laughs> on your point of view. If you're in my position looking at retiring, I reckon 20 years, yeah. living by the sea, looking out over the ocean, the kids' inheritance will be a wreck when I... <laughs> <laughs> um, there are uses you can put them to. The yeah. danger of that is that as they become uninhabitable, they end up as wrecks, as ghettos, yeah. as mm. um, yeah. unin... Uh, you know. They end up as the seawalls for the next people. Well, you know, in yeah. Anyway. yeah. Uh, and so we've got to find a way of doing that. And I guess the other, if I can use a horrible expression, elephant in the room in this, yeah. is our land tenure system, yeah. which says that there are four pegs in the ground and I own yeah. yep. what's contained in those four pegs and it's their responsibility to protect me and my patch of ground. As in they, as in the as government in, or someone else. Someone else, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Now, as long as we have that sort of approach, it's fairly difficult to... If you think that the classic uh, way of dealing with climate change is to adapt, protect or retreat. Yep. You've, if you're not... If you keep the land tenure system as it is... You're almost knocking out retreating. Goodness me, you're, you're an anarchist at heart, are eh? you? are suggesting Absolutely. throwing the entire... Yeah, well, no, that's we could true. learn a lot from our traditional owners. Exactly. They don't have that land in They don't have that. At all. Mm. And we may need to go to something like a licence to occupy coastal land. Yeah, wow. you, you declare a, a set of land that's vulnerable yep. and you say you can have a, a form of lease or you can have sure. a licence to occupy that, which we will review every five years. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, you'll be paying three or four times the normal rates so that we build up a reserve of money which can be used Goodness. to clear the land. Sure. 
when when the ocean actually when, comes. when we revoke your license. Yeah. So which government do you think is going to be? <laughs> and that's the problem. Yeah. There, there is no government. Yeah. that can possibly go down this path. Look, this, the, the thing is that I, what I'm also... I'm not hearing this conversation. Like, as a society, I'm not hearing this conversation. Now, now governments, you know, they can really only act, in a sense, when they've created the need for there to be action. You know, governments start the conversation, or usually somewhere community groups start it, then governments pick it up, you know, for about road safety, mm. you know, about seatbelts. Yeah. You know, and then governments make what, at the time, looked like hard decisions, and now we look back and go, gosh, of course you did that. And I think that it's there's, there's the conversation needs to start about this, you know, what you're talking about here. Yeah, we need to start thinking about, rather than saying we have a planning system set in stone, set in concrete, how yeah. do we adapt within that existing planning system? We've got to look at how do we, what do we need outside that planning system? Yeah. Um, I think that's, uh, we can argue and play with the numbers and, and the uncertainties and things all along, the, as you Say, Brian, the only thing that's yeah. certain is the uncertainty. And I think... And um, we can't deal with that at the moment. And for those um, who may be Trump, you know, believers out there and who, who think, oh, well, you know, climate change is a hoax, um, you know, I don't think there are too many of those left except in the, that particular office in the White House. Um, the reality is, regardless of your belief system about how climate change has started, these sea level rises are locked in. Absolutely. These are yep. not to do with whether we drop our CO2s or not at the minute, whether it was industrially produced or not. They're locked in. So we're getting them anyway. I think that I think the really scary thing about the climate change deniers is the number of climate change agnostics who are still out there as well. So you have the deniers that people are kind of starting to push aside and go, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's the agnostics who aren't prepared to even kind of go through these thought processes or speak up. And I think there are a lot more agnostics out there than we probably realise. And I think perhaps perhaps it's them we're, you know we're talking to, which is um, if you even if you are, the reality is that this ocean is coming. So it's a very long, slow train. Yeah, it, it, it's, not it's gonna, arriving. It's not going to happen all the time. No, I haven't seen my house hasn't ever flooded. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. But it's it's like oh well, it's four degrees outside this morning. Therefore, those climate change people are all, <laughs> you know, that, don't know what they're talking about. I think it's interesting. I think the you talk you talk about agnostics, but yeah. in part that's due to the complexity of the situation. Oh, spot on. I, I think it's it's. It, Uncertainty scary, mm. and I think it's it's people are it's almost a head in the sand, but not in a derogatory way. It's mm. just too hard. It is very complex, and uh, I think both of you have hit the nail on the head. I think um, the the cert the only certainty is uncertainty, as you say, Bron. And then and what we what I think we need to do as a, as a society is to start that conversation to go. Okay, so given that, let's build resilience of our coastal communities to be able to adapt to that. Because we don't know if it's two and a half metres or 30 centimetres, but we do know it is something and it means that it will change. Yep. David, it's been a wonderful conversation this morning. We, we, could, we could talk all morning. What do you think, Bron? Or should we, we wrap up and move on? To <laughs> I'd love to keep talking, yeah. but maybe we can pause for now and then have you back soon, David. Love to. Let's make this a continuing conversation as it needs to be. I think, I think we can. I think it's a great idea to just start that conversation somewhere so that it gets picked up somewhere. Maybe we'll just shout in the, into the ocean, but, you know, one day they'll go, oh, that was those people. They talked about that. <laughs> David Provis, thanks for joining us this morning on Radio Marinara. Thanks, Hans. Um, we are going to play the last of um, my... Uh, 
my tributes to early 90s dance music and then we're Bron is so looking forward to this aren't you Bron? Oh you have no idea. Uh, this one's <laughs> fantastic. You're going to love this one. I'm not going to tell you who it is. You'll pick it up straight away. Utah Saints. There we go. It's done now, Bron. No more early 90s dance music ripping off 60s and 70s artists. Oh, no, it's, it's been an interesting theme running this morning. <laughs> I'm kind of warm to it, I think. <laughs> I do love a bit of Kate Bush. Yes. Danced up. Yes. <laughs> Whatever that is. Hey, you're on Radio Marinara. It's 60 minutes to the hour of 9 o'clock and we, we did take a bit... 10 o'clock. 10 o'clock, sorry. Yep. yep, thank you. We d- did take a little bit longer with David there because we got into a big chat and have left ourselves little time at the end to share some of the news, but you've got a couple of quick ones. I've got a couple of quick ones. Um, one is a uh, plug. I'm going to get this one in first. Um, the Australian Boys Choir today, along with the Melbourne Youth Chorale, um, are performing... Songs of the Sea. Oh, wow. And this is uh, at 3pm. It's at Beringia Cultural Centre in Upway, Glenfern Road, Upway. So if you are wanting to go and just immerse yourself. Gorgeous voices. Yeah, beautiful voices, beautiful young voices. So the Melbourne Youth Chorale and the Australian Boys Choir performing Songs of the Sea uh, this afternoon, 3pm at Beringia Cultural Centre in Upway. Um, Terry... We managed to <laughs> we make contact with Terry. So she's she's not diving today. Um, she's on a yacht in St Kilda cleaning up, <laughs> doing some work for um, uh, World Environment Day. Oh, right. I assume. Or maybe they're cleaning up their yacht after the yacht midnight after last party, night. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but she did send me through some photos and the bay is like glass today and I yeah, assume wow. that's the same as Western Port as well. Um, she recommends uh, South Road if you're wanting to do a local dive. Yeah. South Road Pier, she said, will be clear. And um, her partner Jeff dived rip bank in the heads yesterday. It was a bit surgy, but he saw a nice cray. So that's always good to know. So thanks for that, Terry. Now, speaking of World Oceans Day, which we weren't, but we will now, it is Thursday. And um, World Oceans Day is, of course, a, a global event, a UN, one of the UN days, recognised days, I guess, by UNEP or UNESCO or one of those you know, yeah. arms of... Anyway. It probably um, is UNEP, United Nations Environment is. Program. Yeah. yeah. Started, of course, by the Ocean Project, yes. Bill Mott and the Ocean Project, which, of course, Marinara has been deeply kind of ingrained with over the years. Um, the the theme is Our Oceans, Our Future, and they always have a theme and then they have a conservation action focus. And the conservation action focus probably will surprise no one this year, and that is about plastics pollution. Mm. Um, encouraging solutions to plastics pollution, preventing marine litter for a healthy ocean and a better future. It's very long action focus. Anyway, you can go to worldoceansday.org. You can see if there are any celebrations near you. Um, there is not, as far as I could see on the map yet, any in Melbourne. Right. Which is interesting because normally there are. Now, there might have been a couple of quick talks that I noted, um, but I didn't see too many. However, I did note that our friends at Sapphire Coast... Oh, yes. Have a major 
World Oceans Day event, a really excellent World Oceans Day event. Our friends in the Sapphire Coast Marine Discovery Centre, which of course um, is Eden. in Eden. Yep. However, this one's happening at the RSL Club in Marimbula. Oh, fantastic. So just up the road. So if, you, if you're podding in or live streaming in from southern New South Wales or anywhere kind of that side of the state, um, that forum's actually this weekend. Right. So the second half will have been is today. Yep. And five different scientists presenting their research and including a kind of outdoor excursion as well. A, a number of whom have been on Marinara over the years. <laughs> Matthew MacArthur, it's the little things that count. Cool. Dr. Maria Byrne or Professor Maria Byrne, Corals feel it hot, hot, hot. (laughs) (laughs) John Runsey, Dr. John Runsey, honorary research um, fellow from um, University of Sydney. Photosynthesis is under pressure. Survival at extreme depths and temperatures. And Professor Ian Southers. I think we've interviewed all these people over the years. The whole enchilada. This is Ian's talk. The whole enchilada from ocean production to predation in the East Australian current. I tell you what. So good on them. Titles of talks are getting more creative. (laughs) And I completely embrace that. That's wonderful. Isn't that sensational? So, you know, that's the... um, So good on them. That's their annual Marine Science Forum coincides with World Ocean Day. That's the best thing I could find within six hours of Melbourne. Yes. (laughs) Excellent. But check it out, word, uh, wordoceanstate.org. If you get your skates on and leave now, you'd probably, probably get, get there yeah. by about four o'clock. Yeah, you might get the last bit of the day. Yeah, but that's that's wonderful. Um, and then another little thing I just thought I'd just highlight, a really interesting, I thought a very interesting, different approach. The Australian Marine Sciences Association and the New Zealand Marine Sciences Society are coming, have come up with a new, or they've got a new conference in July and it's got a very interesting theme, mm. Furthering Sea Country. Okay. So about in, so it's research, furthering sea country research through advancing Indigenous collaborations with marine scientists. So the New Zealand Marine Society... Society. New Zealand Marine... Yeah, Sciences Society, Society and the yep. Australian Marine Science Association are doing an Indigenous engagement workshop that coincides with their conference. national joint conference, oh. which is in Darwin. Oh, nice. A fanta- major driver is the need for meaningful and effective collaborations between marine scientists and Indigenous groups for areas of sea country research. Now, of course, with uh, Maori in New Zealand and, and all the work that goes on there, all the traditional ownership there, and of course up north, and it would hope down here, a lot of traditional owner activity. So that's Ooh. coming up. When is that? That's in July. July. It's July the 2nd to the 6th in Darwin. Great. I'm making so a you note. So you can, you know, <laughs> you're going to get up there. Oh, yeah, no. Nah. Hey, uh, <laughs> I'd love to. <laughs> <laughs> that's all we've got time for, isn't it? It is. We should really thank our guests. Thanks so much to Jeff Noddle. And uh, Dr David Provis. And um, coming up on next week's program... We uh, have got a very special guest, Michael Adams, who is the recent winner of the Calibre Essay Prize for his essay called Salt Blood. It's uh, an original meditation on free diving and mortality. So um, we're going to be speaking with Michael uh, about his essay and the prize and and free diving overall, which will be very exciting. And Neil Blake will be in the house along with Dr Beach. Just another really quick plug um, for that event down in Cowes. Between 1 and 5 this afternoon at the Anglican Hall, Thompson Avenue, opposite Coles, if you want to go down and, and hook in with the Preserve Western Port Action Group. Go and do that. See ya. Catch you next week. Bye for now.
This has been a podcast from 3RRR 102.7 FM in Melbourne. Truly independent community radio. Want to hear more? Check out our website at rrr.org.au.